Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome into the show, everybody. My name is Mark Farzetta. This is the Farzy Show, presented by Stephen Singer of Stephen Singer Jewelers, the other corner of Eighth and Walnut. Uh, just let's take care of some in-house business here, literally in-house. Uh, for the people uh, that watch the show every day, for the people on the podcast, I'm sure you guys hear it as well. Lil Tuts been making her way to the uh, makeshift studio I have here in the new house. And I thought I locked the baby gates yesterday that are mostly for her little brother, Leo. But uh, if it also helps with studio security, <laughs> I've been locking them. So let's see if she's up to the challenge today, because I locked the baby gate at the top of the steps and then I locked the baby gate at the bottom of the steps. And hopefully this will provide better defense than the 76ers yesterday against the Miami. Right. Ah, that's called a segue. That's called a tie-in. Either way, welcome to the program. Nice to have you guys along for the ride, as per usual. We got Doc Rivers talking about last night's loss. We got Alec Bohm hitting a home run with the 10 to 15 pounds of muscle that he added accidentally. Uh, we got all that to get into. And Carson Wentz released by the Washington Commanders. We'll get to the business side of that, as well as the enigma that is Carson Wentz. And how it ties into another Philadelphia athlete, former Philadelphia athlete. Let's start it off. Yesterday, I, I tried to start positive with the Phillies news. And I can't help but start on the sadder side of things today when it comes to the Philadelphia 76ers. The loss to the Celtics and this loss yesterday to the Miami Heat. And now they face the Heat again tomorrow in Miami. So they got the home-and-home the, the home series here with the Miami Heat. But last night's game with the Heat, combined with the loss Saturday night to the Celtics, Puts me on the complete opposite end of the spectrum that I was when they beat the Memphis Grizzlies to come out of the All-Star break. Now, true, in that game, they had to rally from behind. They had to fight. They had to scratch, claw, throw punches to try to get to the end of that game with a W marked up in the win column there. All right? Okay. This game against the Heat last night, I hoped they would bounce back from a tough loss to the Celtics. They were leading by 15 points in the third quarter, and it all unraveled. Jason Tatum was not having a great night on the court, and somehow, yet magically, Al Horford ended up stepping up for the Celtics to knock down four threes. So that loss was a struggle. We talked about that at length yesterday. Uh, watching last night's game against the Heat was gut-wrenching. 18 turnovers was gut-wrenching. 
watching Doc Rivers tell his team to get into a zone to allow guys like Tyler Hero to knock down threes, that is uncomfortable. Watching Doc Rivers continue to have Tyrese Maxey come off the bench is just mind-boggling to me. To see this team still have no backup center to Joel Embiid, and last night isn't the best example, isn't the best case for that argument. Uh, he was minus two last night against Bam Adebayo. Still led everybody in scoring and all that stuff, and that's great. But in terms of last night, the backup center position shouldn't have been as annoying, but yet I know and we know as a fan base that it is still a glaring need for the Sixers and the best you can do at the deadline or excuse me, the buyout was Dwayne Dedman. <sighs> but watching this team struggle without Joel Embiid on the floor, watching this team not play their best five players to start out a game because you want to create some kind of mismatch or spark off the bench with Tyrese Maxey, watching it continuously happen and then compound that with the idea of playing zone against the Miami Heat team that just nails threes, especially with a guy like Tyler Hero. That is what is so incredibly disturbing. And watching this game last night, the thing that kept on pounding in my skull was the fact that this is the end. We know the end of this story. We, we've seen this movie before. Sixers have a pretty solid top three seed type regular season. They go into the playoffs. They win in the first round. And then they can't beat a team in the second round. And I know everyone is looking at the draft, looking at the combine in, in the NFL. We're certainly waiting with great anticipation for Andrew Painter to start tomorrow right, with the Phillies in spring training. That's what we're really waiting for. And it feels like right now the Sixers, who are normally a team that we look at to help bridge this gap. I mean, really, the fact that football season lasted as long as it did for us was such a, a wonderful gift. And maybe that high of football and also coming off the, the Phillies making a World Series, maybe that is kind of tempered our expectations a little bit about the Sixers because I think we all really knew if we were being honest, even before this uh, last 26-game stretch, which now they're 1-2 and two on. That is, by the way, well covered last night during the game about how the Sixers have the toughest stretch in the NBA after the All-Star game. And that's been well covered already. It was certainly well covered during last night's broadcast on NBC. Um, I think I think we all knew what to expect. I gave you my hope of hopes that this would somehow give us that lift at the Sixers. Oh, if they, if they play really well in the second, uh, I don't even want to call it second half, but in the last 26, they play really well in the last 26. Maybe they'll be a team that can actually make it out of the second round. You lose to the Celtics. You come out flat as all hell against the Heat. Yeah, it's not exactly making me feel great. Even if they go in tomorrow night to Miami and they blow the Heat out of the water, right? I'm still not going to feel great about this team. There's a long way to go. I get it. You got 23 more games to go or 22 more games to go. I get it. We should, you know, we should still hold out hope. But I think if we're being honest with ourselves, what's going to happen? What, what, what are the Sixers going to do? This is who they are. Is Doc Rivers going to make some drastic change right now? Is he going to make a change to have Tyrese Maxey back on the starting lineup? D'Anthony Melton come off the bench again? Which every time I say it, I feel like I am legally obligated to say that's the reason Daryl Morey got him to come off the bench. Now, Maxi played great last night, and what you hear from Doc Rivers after the game is only more infuriating. Maxi had one of his best games in a long time last night. He was moving fluidly on the court. He was attacking the rim. He was playing with great confidence. I thought he got fouled at the end of that third quarter. They decided not to give him the foul. 
it was just, it was awful. But he played himself great in that game. And he only made me want him to start more. And it made me want to watch a better version of the 76ers basketball team. And I just don't think they're going to get to that point with Doc Rivers. I know some people, they could look at the way they played against the Celtics under Doc Rivers and look at the way they played against the Heat last night under Doc Rivers and say, oh, well, look at the way they played. The way they ended that game, they played with fury and, and passion. And uh, they played that with Doc Rivers. If, if, if James Harden would have hit that shot at the top of the key, then they win that game, then all is right with the world. Yeah, that, that's it's true. But why do I continuously say, and this is true for every NBA team, but just speaking in the Sixers sense, when you come down the stretch, you should be the best version of yourself. And Tyrese Maxey fouling out hurt the Sixers tremendously in this game. And you're watching this team play towards that final stretch, and they're playing so hard throughout, and they're they're just playing their best version of basketball as, as, they, as they possibly can. Where is that in the beginning of the game? Where is that when, when your coach has his fingerprints on how you want to operate the most? Where is that at? And I actually liked the final play that Doc Rivers drew up. There was two options there. And he said so after the game as well. Either Joel Embiid goes up with that. He was double teamed with Bam Adebayo on him. So he did not take the shot. Instead, he kicked it out to the top of the key to James Harden. Says he wished James Harden was alone at the top of the key. That's where he was supposed to be. He obviously was not. Still had a great look at the basket. Was unable to convert the game-winning shot. But watching that game play out yesterday, I'm thinking, where is this energy? Where is this spark in the beginning of the game? Especially when you know it's another team that you know, you could very well see in the playoffs in the Miami Heat. And that energy just wasn't there. You know who had that energy last night? Tyrese Maxey had the energy last night. You know why you um, uh, didn't see it? It's because Doc Rivers refuses to start the guy now. And that's been the case for quite some time. We're going to go with three lineups. It looks like really only one lineup. And I don't even like that one lineup. After the game, Doc Rivers addressed the media. This is what he had to say about, uh, we'll start with the Sixers start to the game here's doc rivers on that really flat in the first half and you know we had two two games with a lot of energy you can just feel it early um i was kind of the way we looked at it early is let's get to halftime and that's what we did um you know it's, it's you're not gonna win uh, we, we did a much better job in the second half i think they had 18 more shots than us in the first half uh we had uh, 10 free throws so we had five so it was really 13 more shots. It's hard to win a game, a one-point game, and a slowdown game like it was tonight. Okay, slowdown, slowdown game, slowdown game like it was. All right, um, you know how you could get off to a better start? <laughs> that, again, put your best five out there. And DeAnthony Melton is not your best five. He's your best six, which is why he's a really good sixth man on a playoff bound team. And let's not make any bones about it. The Sixers are very much a playoff bound team, but to watch them play like they did last night, especially in that first half was mind numbing. And it really did. It made me sit back at halftime and think to myself, I think I, I, this is what we wanted to avoid at the beginning of the season. We wanted to avoid the idea of this team peaking with a second round exit. We, we wanted to push that that peak, that pinnacle, a little further into the Eastern Conference Finals. We wanted to push that maybe even further into the Conference Finals. And yet, since the days of Allen Iverson, we are not going to see a Conference Finals appearance. We're certainly not going to see a Finals appearance. And I was just hoping that we could have something to give us a little bit more optimism going into this uh, Final 26 and 
no. Oh, well, hey, they hung with the Celtics. Oh, hey, they hung with the Heat. Well, first off, the Heat shouldn't even be in the same breath as the Celtics, all right? The, 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 the win over the Memphis Grizzlies is certainly more impressive than any of that. And they go to the Celtics, and they still can't find a way to close out that game against the Celtics. They play a team that is only three games over 500, and they face them, and they couldn't find a way to close out that victory. It's unreal. And they don't even grab a lead again from the first quarter. I believe they put it up there eight to six. Sixers had a lead in the first quarter, and they didn't grab a lead until late in that fourth quarter. I thought when, uh, was it Harden that made the shot to put him up by two or put him up by a point? And then Jimmy Butler comes down the other way with 90 seconds left and has an insane reverse layup that he makes, just bonkers. Uh, I can't handle it anymore. I just can't handle it anymore. And the fact that he couldn't close that out against the Heat last night is awful. So what do you do? You got to make some kind of change. And this isn't just something that's new. This isn't, oh, the Sixers lost two games in a row. Oh, they need to make a change. No, this is, I believe in playing the best version of basketball you can possibly play. And I I don't understand for the life of me how that's not with Tyrese Maxson in your starting five. So after the game, uh, they asked Doc Rivers why Tyrese Maxson was was playing better. They asked him about Joel Embiid, what he said to Tyrese Maxey. We covered that yesterday, saying that Joel Embiid pulled Tyrese Maxey aside after the Celtics lost and said, hey, look, we need you to be aggressive. We're not going anywhere without you being aggressive. So Doc Rivers was asked about those comments from Joel Embiid and if that helped Tyrese Maxey Net 23 points on 8 of 16 shooting last night. Four of eight from beyond the arc. Doc Rivers said, yeah, yeah, a little bit. But there really was the idea of just him, you know, attacking <laughs> and playing with James Harden. That's the interesting comment. Here's uh, Doc Rivers playing, uh, talking about how Tyrese Maxey plays his best version of himself uh, with James Harden on the floor with him. I said before the game, playing with James helps. You know, he got a lot of advanced passes. He didn't have to bring it up himself. Uh, and then he even got some with that second group. Um you know, we went with this, uh, Joe. It's funny. We're going to do that anyway in the second half. We're going to take Joe out first, uh, let James play with more of the starters. Uh, I thought that worked out well for us overall. So, you know, there were some good things. Good things. There were some good things. So I understand him playing with James Harden is a good thing. I understand him and Joel Embiid might slow things down a little bit. I still like him with James Harden. Maybe start him out with James Harden. And still, obviously, have Joel Embiid, just for those that are looking to be detractors, still have Joel Embiid on the court. I don't get it. I don't think you get it. I don't think anybody gets it. I, I If there's two things that I could look at this season that it's still on the court, but if there's two greater things than just how they play, okay? Two things that I look at. One is how the hell is Daryl Morey not get a better backup center? I know he did a recent interview where he talked about how uh, on Sixers Wire, I saw I read it on Sixers Wire that Daryl Morey was quoted as saying that oh the, the the market for centers was really high that people were paying way too much for centers and I just couldn't do that you know with this team so the next best thing that we were also coveting was somebody that could provide us some perimeter defense somebody that could play two ways somebody that could uh, uh, you know, attack the basket and that's what they ended up getting in McDaniel's but overall okay so the first thing is not getting the backup center right after that is why the hell isn't why the hell isn't Doc Rivers starting Tyrese Maxey? And there's a number of coaching things you can look at. I mentioned the zone defense last night against the Heat, and they just ate up. Just they, they they just ate it up. They just devoured that zone. Like, oh, you're gonna sit back in zone. Three, three, three. Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But the two things in the no center, and the other thing is Tyrese Maxey not being your starting lineup. 
I, I hate the idea of coaches thinking that they're creating the mismatch when they're making themselves worse. <laughs> In all honesty, if you're not having your best out there, what, what are you even doing? And one thing I don't really have to uh, – the other thing with Tyrese Maxey is a guy works himself up through the playoffs, proves himself, whether that's his rookie season in the playoffs against the against the Hawks, or he comes out last year. And while you don't have Ben Simmons, he comes out and show you how much be- he shows you how much better he can play than than what he played last year. Then Joel Embiid goes out last year, and Tyrese Maxey goes from uh, a nice player to have alongside Joel Embiid to the guy that's running your offense and doing it very well. I might add. Then he has to reconstruct himself again once you get get James Harden in here. And what does he do? He finds a way to do it. So he comes into this season all ready to go. No Ben Simmons distraction. No, oh, I got to get used to playing with James Harden. And he's playing at a good level. And then all of a sudden you have him coming off the bench again. Like To a young guy's confidence, that can't exactly work wonders in a positive way. It can certainly work work wonders in, wow, how come he's not scoring those 23 points every night now? What's going on here? Why is he struggling? The idea that he keeps on pushing through, keeps on working his ass off, and he's not rewarded for that, I don't get. This isn't <laughs> Mark Averoni in the 82-83 Sixers, okay? And we don't need to create that mismatch. This is Tyrese Maxey, a guy that could be, could be an all-star in this league. And I feel like Doc Rivers is holding him back tremendously. I saw some people comment on the, the, the rant I did yesterday about this, and... They were talking about how he ruined Matisse Thibel as well. I, I don't know. I think Matisse Thibel got in his own little world of hurt there, unfortunately, and didn't help his stock exactly with being unavailable in the playoffs and just not playing well when he actually was available in the playoffs. I think that really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And I, I love the guy's game. And I was with a lot of people when he talked about the idea of him being a defensive player of the year candidate, how great defense he played. Uh, he started to attack the rim. He started to hit some threes. All that stuff, all that being said, I don't put all of that on Doc Rivers. But when I look at this, is so I'd only tell you, I only tell you that just so you know, I'm not one of those people that's just like anything Doc Rivers does is terrible. No, when I look at this particular situation with Tyrese Maxey, it just makes no sense to me whatsoever. As much as I want to criticize Daryl Morey and have criticized Daryl Morey for not getting a back, a better backup center for Joel Embiid. I'll also look at the idea that he did a great job in the offseason of getting DeAnthony Melton. We had all talked about how nervous we were we were with this bench, how the Sixers needed more of a bench. And he went out and got one of the best bench players you could get. So what does Doc Rivers do with that guy? He puts him in the starting lineup. How does that make any sense? Doesn't make any sense. But yet, this is where we are in life. Welcome. It's nice to see you here. Wallowing in this misery. That is already knowing the boat sinks at the end of this movie. And here's what's so ominous about it. And it really ominous, I think, is the perfect word for this. Here's what's so ominous about where the Sixers are. When they get bounced out in the second round right now, and we'll turn the page to the Phillies, right? And we'll we'll start focusing more on football, right? And all that stuff. And 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 for anyone out there that remembers the Flyers, we'll pray for a turnaround for the Flyers. But at the end of this, for the Sixers, here's what's so ominous about it. What happens with James Harden? What's the next? What, what do you do next? Is James Harden just going to come back here and sign up for this again? Is he really going to go to Houston? 
Is he going to go back there where he has so many philanthropic endeavors? All right. At the end of this, what happens? It's Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. So if Joel Embiid isn't, if, if, if James Harden isn't here and it's just Embiid and Maxey, so now you're going to go back to Maxey and put him back in your starting five? Like, what are we grooming him for? What are we getting him ready for? This is... Oh, and PJ, PJ Tucker's still here on a huge contract. Okay. <laughs> okay. We all feel great. We all feel great. That's what's so ominous about it. It's not like at the end of this season, like we have in previous seasons, we'll just run it back. We'll get some more guys. We'll add to the bench. We'll get another shooter. And we'll just run it back. After that, we'll just run it back. No, after this, it's, uh, oh, Harden's gone. That's a big That's a big piece there. <laughs> what happens after that? All right, Tyrese Maxey, go get him yet again. And then let's see what else the Sixers do with Daryl Morey and making changes because that is what's so ominous. It's, it's the unknown after another disappointing season. Usually it's it's pretty known. Last year, I, I think we all pretty much knew that James Harden was coming back. Uh, I think we had doubts about whether or not James Harden was going to play at the level that he's played at this season. And that's that has really been a huge, pleasant surprise from this season. It's 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 not exactly like I'm not drawing a direct comparison, but you know, I think we've been damaged in a way in this city with off-season workouts and how much a player can really improve from one season to the next and how much they're five, six months off in between can affect their their play and how much better they can be. And we all looked at Jalen Hurts in that same way. We looked at Jalen Hurts and said, okay, well, can he improve his deep ball? Can he improve his accuracy? Can he improve uh, breaking down what's in front of him from a defensive standpoint? And check, check, check. Did all those things. In those that five, six months of the offseason, he came in a, a vastly better player. James Harden, in a way, was similar when we looked at the way he played at the end of last year and even heard from Joel Embiid at the end of last year, he's not the MVP, he's not the MVP James Harden anymore. And although he might not be the MVP James Harden, even an analyst, a former GM like Bobby Marks on the ESPN was going out there talking about how James Harden will be in the MVP conversation. So far that hasn't happened. But in terms of a guy improving greatly from what we saw him play or how we saw him play last year, what level we saw him play at last year versus how he is playing now, it has been a vast improvement from what we saw a year ago to now. I would have loved to see him hit that three last night, but when you look at the points per game, when you look at the assists per game, when you look at his uh, his step back, his blow-by rate, all that stuff seems like it is improving this year because you are getting a much better version of James Harden than what you got last year. As I went down that road in, in watching the game last night and thinking of the, the ominous end of the season, looming, waiting, I, I thought about, the day the Ben Simmons trade went down. And I remember thinking, ah, oh, y'all miss Seth Curry. Hell of a player. You know, oh, getting game James Harden, that's great. But Andre Drummond, that really sucks. <laughs> You're getting DeAndre Jordan? Okay. What? Um, later, you're getting DeAndre Jordan. But Andre Drummond is a guy that was the best backup you could have to Joel Embiid. There's some talk around the deadline of possibly reacquiring him. Of course, that didn't happen. Nerlens Noel's now back out there. And Dwayne Denman's the guy that uh, you're hoping will be ready to be your backup center for Joel Embiid. So, I don't know. I just get shades of uh, – I get I get, what, what, I get shades of uh, DeAndre Jordan when I think about Dwayne Denman. <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at right now. Uh, so, it is, it is ominous. 
And that's what is that's what hurts so damn much, folks. That's what hurts so damn much. Uh, Phillies, now on to the positive. As we wait for that ominous end of the Sixers season, the Phillies are in spring training. Aaron Nola, nice little uh, start to his uh, 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 Grapefruit League schedule yesterday. Uh, I do, I, I've said it yesterday, I do love the pitch clock. Uh, one walk yesterday, struck out one, no hits allowed. So damn near perfect is the way to say that in his uh, Grapefruit League debut yesterday. You had a big bomb from Alec Bohm, who went two for three in his uh, start of uh, Grapefruit League. Derek Hall had a nice little uh, bingo for himself. He was smacking the ball hard yesterday. Uh, Edmundo Sosa had a nice day for himself as well. Our boy Garrett Stubbs uh, got a hit for himself as well. Uh, it was really a wild, wild game yesterday. Phillies get a 9-7 victory. If Alec Bohm has one of them seasons that's a breakout season for what he really could be in his big league career in terms of a not gold glove third baseman, but a good third baseman. It could also be a guy that could hit you 280. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And jump up there to the 25, dare I say, 30 home run mark. And I'm not just saying this because he hit a home run yesterday. And man, did he just crush that pitch. I'm not saying it because he hit a home run in spring training. I'm saying it because the, the weight gain, the muscle gain, I should say. I should say that you look at a guy like Alec Bohm and that six foot five frame, third baseman, generally speaking, you want to get more power out of that position. 13 home runs is nothing nowadays in baseball. 13 home runs is nothing. 13 home runs. You know what that is in third base? That's Placido Polanco. I'm going to try to get as many Placido Polanco references as I can going into the season. But anyway, uh, Alec Bohm hitting 13 home runs is inexcusable. You need more from that guy with that frame at that position. And the fact that he did add the muscle, hopefully them long fly balls will turn into home runs. And hopefully you'll see a guy like that at Citizens Bank Park hitting more boom bombs as the season goes on. That's what I want to see from him. And when you look at spring training in the first two games of the Grapefruit League, for instance, Trey Turner gets you a leadoff hit. Trey Turner steals the base. Trey Turner scores a run. Trey Turner comes up later, gets another hit. It, that exactly what you want to see from him. Two two guys like uh, Trey Turner, you want to see what he does in the Phillies uniform, and a guy like Alec Bohm, you want to see he improve, him improve his power numbers going into the season. Oh, and sprinkle in some power from Nick Castellanos as well. And these are all good vibes starting out in Clearwater, Florida for the Phillies. And as I watch spring training, it is my breath of fresh air leaning into the regular season. It's my breath of fresh air as the Sixers are in this stretch, the Phillies are just starting things up, and the Eagles are going to get things underway with the combine next month. Uh, and the next thing you know, we're going to be talking about the draft in April. So all that stuff is just leading up. This right now, as I try to just push the Sixers' uh, potential ominous pain away, I just embrace what the Phillies got going on. In fact, you got Zach Wheeler on the mound today, and you got Andrew Painter on the mound tomorrow. Ah, oh, basket it. If you're looking for optimism, that's the reason to be optimistic right now. 
Certainly not with the way we're looking at the Sixers, unfortunately. Uh, if you missed it yesterday, Carson Wentz got released. It saves $26 million in cap for the uh, in dead cap for the Washington Commanders. I know the phrase "I'm ready to get hurt again" is a uh, is a common thing. Um, I know the phrase "we can't have nice things" is a common thing in Philadelphia, but the Carson Wentz thing is an enigma to me. And I'm surprised more people aren't more cautious with their opinions after Carson Wentz. Because I didn't, I'll tell you right out of the gate, I did not like the Eagles drafting Carson Wentz. I did not like the idea of the Eagles with the second overall pick moving up as many spots as they did to take Carson Wentz. And a lot of people thought Howie Roseman gave up way too much to get Carson Wentz. And I just didn't like the idea of basing your entire franchise on a guy that I thought had. A lot handed to him in college. And the most glaring thing to me about him in college was that when he was injured with his broken wrist his senior year, he missed eight games and they were 8-0. and I just thought that was interesting. If this guy's so great, how can somebody else come in and still be undefeated? That that was interesting to me. Uh, but I just didn't want him – I didn't want the Eagles to, to take a quarterback there. I wanted to continue to solidify your offensive defensive lines and all that stuff. And I know it's the boring pick, but that's what I wanted to know. I didn't want him to trade up. Anyway, take a flyer maybe. I swear to God, this is my opinion. Take a flyer maybe on this guy, Dak Prescott, in the third or fourth round. See how he does. We all know how that story ended. But then Carson Wentz started playing incredible football. And I went, oh, my God, maybe Howie Roseman and this team know exactly what they're doing. This guy playing like a 10-year vet, MVP of the league the next year. Uh, his rookie year all fell apart when Lane Johnson had the PED suspension. And then after that, he plays the MVP season. MVP caliber season. Played incredible. Eagles were out to this phenomenal start. Super Bowl aspirations, which they ended up winning, as we know, with Nick Foles. And the Eagles winning that Super Bowl with how everything played out without Carson Wentz seemed to ruin Carson Wentz. It's such a wild predicament. I remember my buddy Jamie Lynch saying, in his second year, or excuse me, it would have been his third year, but the year after the Super Bowl, no Philadelphia athlete had ever been under more pressure than Carson Wentz ever. And you're you're he was exactly right. And he couldn't couldn't win. It's amazing that scenario and how unfortunate it played out. But since then you're now looking at he's going to be on his fourth team in 4 years. They imagine somebody telling you that in 2017. Imagine going into that LA Rams game and somebody saying Carson Wentz this is what the future holds for Carson Wentz. He's never going to win a playoff game. He's not even going to finish a playoff game. And he's not even going to be an Eagle in two years. What? Run that by me again? It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And more people, I'm surprised, aren't more guarded because of it. And here's why I believe that is. It's because when it comes to mental toughness, Jalen Hurts is on steroids as far as I'm concerned. Like I have always said this, you bottle it and people would just be, you'd be flying off the shelves. Whatever Jalen Hurts has between the years, people would be begging for it. So when you look at Carson Wentz, though, in the curious case of Carson Wentz, I go back to that amazing 2017 run and then how everything just fell off. I mean, even during the 2017 run, there's stories of Darren Sproles having to tell him to you know, get it right, man. Yes, you're hurt. I'm hurt. A lot of people are hurt. You still got to pull for your team. And Carson's like, well, I don't want to because they're doing it without me. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget being right in front of the presentation podium. Literally, 
Doug Peterson has a trophy in his hands and he's waving it in front of everyone in Minnesota. This is a great moment. And I see Carson Wentz and Nick Foles on the podium standing with each other and Nick Foles just patting Carson Wentz on the shoulder. Like, hey, man, you'll, 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 you're going to lead this team. You're going to lead this team, do the same thing. It was like that kind of moment. And obviously it never happened. Unreal. Absolutely unreal. Um, but Carson Wentz gets released. He'll be on his fourth team in four years. It, it, I, I guess the phrase is how the mighty have fallen. It's unreal. Uh, let me tell you guys about the great people at Steven Singer. Steven Singer Jewelers, the other corner of 8th and Walnut, right there on Jewelers Row, ladies and gentlemen. Steven Singer Jewelers, one place, one price, the perfect price, online at IHateStevenSinger.com. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. What does Steven offer? The perfect price. Other jewelers like to mark things way up just to mark them down a couple of bucks, make you feel like you want something. Oh, great negotiator. But it's Steven Singer Jewelers, the man that's been in the love business for over 40 years in Philadelphia. You know what he gives you each and every day? That perfect price. So you don't have to worry about haggling or negotiating or anything like that at Steven Singer Jewelers. All you got to worry about is what beautiful piece of diamond jewelry you want to buy. Steven Singer Jewelers, the other corner of 8th and Walnut, online at IHateStevenSinger.com. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Let me tell you about the great people at Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. That's manscaped.com. Get pro, uh, promo code FARZY for 20% off. You'll enjoy their Platinum Package 4.0, which is their best hygiene bundle yet. It includes their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, their Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, and they come with skin safe technology that helps you reduce the risk of nicks so you can manscape with confidence and comfort. So trust the 4 million men worldwide who use Manscaped at manscaped.com. How about Freestone Farms CBD? FreestoneFarmCBD.com. Freestone Farms. Check them out for 20% off. What? Yeah, just use promo code Farzy at Freestone Farms CBD. FreestoneFarmsCBD.com. You'll enjoy their tropical tasting Bayox. It clocks in at a chart topping 24.1%. And Super CBD, which is half Hindu. Kush. And 21%. So next to these guys are off the charts. So try Freestone Farm CBD, freestonefarmcbd.com. Uh, how about PHL Sports Station, Philadelphia Sports Station, enhancing your Philadelphia sports fan experience across all social media and blogs. That's phlsportsnation.com. Let's get into the chat check, see how you guys are doing on this fine, fine Tuesday morning. Kevin, good morning. A, what's up, A? Harden comes up small once again. What? Are, how many? I wanted to see this. Uh, I meant to check this out. Harden had four turnovers last night. Googly moogly. Sixers had 18 turnovers to the uh, Heat 12 last night. That's no bueno. Ah, uh, oh, you. There we go. Uh, hey, where was Tobias Harris last night? Two points. Pathetic. He needs to do better. I, I Call me crazy. Tobias Harris has been so wildly streaky. He has the great half. Saturday night against the Celtics, and then he disappears in the second. Like, I made the point Monday. Was it Monday, Monday, yesterday? Yesterday. I made the point Monday that Embiid can't do it all. All right? He always needs somebody. I was talking about this the other day. I forget who I was talking about this. Oh, my brother-in-law. That is a conversation with my brother You have Joel Embiid out there doing everything for you in that game against the Celtics in particular. In the first half, you had, I'll call it, extra help. With Tobias Harris jumping out to the start he had, knocking down threes in that first half, and then invisible in the second half. You, I'll say Joel Embiid needs that help. 
He needs somebody else stepping up, knocking down those shots, whether that's James Harden, whether that's Tobias Harris, whether that's Tyrese Maxey, whether that's uh, even uh, D'Anthony Melton getting hot from three. He needs somebody else to be a, a scorer. It can't just all be him. The Heat exploited the hell out of that last night. Yeah, who was it? Uh, Cody Zeller last night blocking the shot against the boards. You had Bam Adebayo, who plays great defensively always, so I'm expecting it, but you need somebody else to step up in that moment. And nobody was until Tyrese Maxey did it in that second half when he finally got an opportunity. So he always needs somebody else, whether that's Tobias Harris, whether that's Tyrese Maxey. I feel like anytime you get Tobias Harris going, it's a huge bonus. That, that's the only way to really describe it when you're talking about it as a bonus because you can't rely on it always. Oh, look, this guy who we pay a lot of money to is to play well. That's great. It's all gravy. Uh, Dan Schwartz, just haven't been, just haven't given a crap since the Super Bowl. I just don't care about this slot from the Sixers. Actually, I can't even blame the Super Bowl. I think the Sixers have conditioned me not to care. Dan, even before the Super Bowl, I was close to this point. Here's how I feel. In all honesty, I haven't felt this, um, uh, what do you call it? Is even keel the way? I, I, I don't know. This melancholy. I'll put, I'll even call it that. This melancholy about a six, about a basketball, about a, I haven't felt this way about a team in Philadelphia since my, since the peak of my Flyers fandom in the late 90s, early 2000s. Swear to God. I haven't felt like this. Uh, like, I knew they were going to compete. I knew they were going to make the playoffs, but I did not expect much in the playoffs. Now, those Flyers teams, they made it to a Stanley Cup final. They made it to the conference finals a number of times. That's all great. But it just, they weren't going to get over the hump because they never had that goalie. You know what I mean? The Sixers team just always seems to not have something. Last year, I felt like it wasn't, they didn't have the bench. This year, I feel like they have the bench. They just don't have enough, enough of a bench. They don't have the backup center that they need. That was a big part of the reason they lost last year. But this team, it's, it feels like they don't have the shooting. It feels like they don't have the bench. It feels like they don't have the coach in particular. It just feels like the same thing. just feels like the same thing. So I'm going to watch the Sixers the rest of the year. I'm going to hope still that they give me more hope for making it out of the second round. I'll watch the playoffs. I'll be excited for the playoffs. I'll be, I'll watch the second round and I won't be excited for the second round because I think I know how that ends. <laughs> I have, I have not been this, I don't know what the right word is. Melancholy is the only one that comes to mind that makes sense to me. Uh, but that's how I feel. That's how I feel about the Sixers right now. Um, the best, what the best comparison I can make is the Flyers teams in the late 90s and early 2000s. Early aughts. Is that the proper way to say that? Uh, Dan Schwartz he says he's so used to it. I guess I'm excited for the Phillies. I don't know. I'm apathetic. Apathetic's a great word. Uh, miserable more than usual. I'm tired uh, to even be cynical. RJ, what's up, RJ? We are so cursed. I don't know what the older adults did to the Sixers in the 80s, but it totally ruined my fun with watching the Sixers. Now, 40 years of the same song. RJ, that's sad. April, what's up, April? Thank God for baseball. You're right. Hey, in the second half of the game, Maxi was the Sixers' best player undisputed undisputed Dan Schwartz Tobias looked really good two points in 34 minutes not bad here they come 10 76ers five four three two points Tobias Harris <laughs> Dan well played 
Uh, Dan Schwartz, Doc Don fired after the playoffs last year. I never seen more evidence of a team quitting on a coach. Yes, you have to hold the players accountable, but something, uh, but same goes for the coach. Where's the accountability? I, I when we had uh, Paul Hudrick on uh, last Monday. And he was talking to us about, I asked him point blank, how hot is the seat that Doc Rivers is on? And he was like, oh, not as hot as some fans want it. And look, I know him and Daryl Morey have this great relationship, and I know they love each other and all that stuff, but I, it really bothers me. And again, you could say this about every NBA team, but for the Sixers, a team that needs to get over that hump, the, the way they play at the end of the game is so much better than what you see at the beginning of the game. It makes you feel like the coach just doesn't have him ready to play. And when you talk about starting slow or starting sloppy, well, a lot of that comes back to the coach. Yes, Doc Rivers isn't going out there shooting the shots. But when you just play weak with the basketball, you don't play strong with the basketball, you turn the basketball over and it looks like your team isn't focused, I look at the coach for that. And it's the NBA. I, I, I believe the NBA is the sport that if you just picked a fan – out of the stands say, hey, guess what? You're the head coach now. And you just sat them down. You'd see the least difference than any other coach. Football, definitely can't do that. Uh, baseball, no. I, I I know people always, but what's the manager going to do? Well, they got to write a lineup out. So that's kind of a difficult thing. Uh, hockey, John Tortorella, I think, is an okay coach. But basketball, is the, the you got to have players. More than anything else, I think you have to have players in basketball. And Doc Rivers just does not get his team ready to play. Especially in the big moments, like the playoffs. You can talk about that with the Clippers. You can talk about that here with the 76ers. Not ready to play. And when you have reports coming out surrounding James Harden, uh, you have reports coming out surrounding Paul George or Kawhi Leonard about Doc Rivers, the coach. And then you have Blake Griffin years later as a member of the Boston Celtics after he hit, what, eight threes on the Sixers? When you have him coming out talking about how you don't adjust as a head coach, well, that's that's not good either. So you talk about evidence, Dan. The evidence is out there. Uh, boop, what's going on? Oh, Dan, totally agree with this. I was saying this yesterday. Uh, I want to see the pitch, pitch clock in the work of the season. I honestly wish it was 20 seconds, though. Eight seconds for the batter to be in a stance looking at the pitcher is very not is not very much. I think that is so weird, the eight-second thing. I got into that yesterday. I won't get into it too much today, but um, I just feel like that's so – it's odd. You have to be in the box looking at the pitcher. Well, he's in the box. He's in the box. Just have the pitcher throw the ball. Who cares where he's looking? Uh, but I have enjoyed the side-by-sides. If you guys haven't seen this, it's starting to make its way around social media. The side-by-sides of like one at-bat versus one inning. Inning with the pitch clock versus inning with no pitch clock. And like I, the one I saw yesterday, was it David Ross? I think it was David Ross uh, who was just standing there in the box, stepping out of the box, getting back in the box, stepping out of the box. Meanwhile, the inning's over with the pitch clock. I think it's exactly what baseball needs. Uh, PJ, well, in the Mariners game yesterday, there was 15 runs and 25 hits, two hours, 25 minutes. I did not see that, PJ. That's amazing. Uh, I read that Andrew Painter is starting this Wednesday. Hope the young man is the real deal. A, he is starting tomorrow. We can say that Andrew Painter is starting tomorrow. I got the in-laws over the house. Father-in-law is a huge baseball fan. 
born and raised Cleveland area. Uh, we've been talking a lot about uh, the Phils, and we were watching the game yesterday. And it was like, hey, the Phillies have any prospects? And I'm like, you got to see this Andrew Painter kid. He's going to pitch Wednesday. And six foot seven, right handed fireballer. Uh, everyone is waiting with great anticipation to see what he brings to the table. Mihai, what's up, Mihai? Uh, Mark, another day, another close Sixers loss. Uh, no top two seed in the East, then forget it. Yeah. At least the Phillies are locked in. See, <laughs> be high. You're with me and everybody else. Uh, Cassianos needs more power as well. I agree. Yeah, no, I think everyone is around that same same crowd. Uh, I think everybody is around that same crowd when it talks to the Sixers. Uh, Afro Cloud. Morning, y'all. Good morning, Afro Cloud. <laughs> Can't believe Cody Zeller, Zeller blocked Embiid. That happened. I was at the game. The seats were great. And so was Maxi. Nice job, Afro Cloud. <laughs> uh, two bad turnovers doing the Sixers uh, yet again. Even last year, the Sixers got off to slow starts. That's true. Doc is permanently checked out. We need a coach that will get his players more focused and take care of the ball. Afro Cloud, I agree wholeheartedly. If you're just joining the show, you might remember the, the fact that... Uh, wait, hold on one second. What did I miss here? Oh, oh, wait, PJ, is this about the – I didn't see the Matt Geld piece on Kevin Long. Uh, he and Kevin Long have been – who's the he in that? Is the he Alec Bohm or Cassianos? Cassianos, copy that. Uh, Kevin Long has been working with Cassianos, working long and hard to get back to where he used to be, which is encouraging. Matt Geld wrote a piece on it. He's killing it with pieces uh, on, uh, bu -bu -bu on uh, The Athletic. I'll have to check that one out. Uh, but yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you're just joining us at the beginning of the show, I talked about how I locked both baby gates to try to keep little touch for making yet another cameo appearance on the show. She has been standing off camera like this for the people on, your, on the podcast picture, um, a three-year-old with her arms crossed, looking like a general who's very disappointed in my performance. And she's just staring at me like, uh, are you going to acknowledge me? Are you going to acknowledge me? Are you going to? I broke through your baby gates. Are you going to acknowledge me? Is that what you're thinking? Okay. There is no stopping you, is there? There is no stopping you. I know. We got we to gotta wall that off, sweetheart. Scoozy. Um, did you have fun playing with your cousins yesterday? And having all the snacks? There you go. Uh, so, yes, she is back. April says you're a little ninja. <laughs> <laughs> yep, she's back, folks. She's back. Little Toots is back. Uh, Monolutes, I'm almost done here. So, uh, I'll be up in a minute to put on uh, Sky Happy, okay? I know. I know. Anyway, uh, 76ers back. Oh, let's get uh, everyone in the chat. You're great. Love you guys. Uh, let's get to the morning rush brought to you by Sky Motorcars, skymotorcars.com. As I mentioned earlier, 76ers back at it tomorrow, uh, March 1st, 7.30 tip-off in Miami. They'll be right back against this Heat team. Hopefully the Sixers come away with a nice little victory there. Flyers, hey, remember them? The Flyers are back at it 
tomorrow night as well. Looking to bounce back from their 7 nothing loss to the Devils. They'll face the Rangers tomorrow night at 7.30 as well. That game on TNT. Yeah, you wrote a red circle. That is a nice red circle. That is very good. And uh, what the boop? So that's what you got coming up uh, for tomorrow and all that fun stuff. Uh, Afro Cloud, no baby gate can stop her. You're right. Get her white noise machine might help. April, she's got two. No, she she has one. Leo has two. She has a white noise machine, and it's supposed to turn. Did, did you wait for the light to turn green? No, because no, you don't do that anymore, do you? No. So it comes color coded. You can set the lights to it. Red means you stay in bed. See it? See what we did there? Green means you can get up. She does not wait for it to turn green anymore. Old house had a lock on the door. New house, no lock. Not yet. <laughs> That's a black uh, Sharpie. Yes. Please don't write on yourself. Uh, so there we go. Uh, thanks, everybody. You guys are great. As per usual, uh, this is the Farzi Show presented by Stephen Singer of Stephen Singer Jewelers. Jim Heiner produced the program. Did a wonderful job, as per usual. Uh, this is a Buzz Sports and Entertainment production. Uh, thanks, everybody. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday. See you guys.